0: Sox Weekly, Sox the official wins. weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890.
1: So welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Connor McKnight. Gorgeous day out at the ballpark here. Just absolutely fantastic. It's the White Sox and Mariners this afternoon. Mike Pelfrey goes for the Sox. Felix Hernandez goes for the Mariners. Both of them looking to put together a more solid and more consistent second half than perhaps their first half was. Mariners at 44 and 47. White Sox are 38 and 50. We are one game into the second half of the 2017 season. Lots to do on the show this afternoon before we take you all the way up to the White Sox pregame show, which starts at 535. First pitch 610 tonight with Ed and DJ mentioned the starters, Mariners, and White Sox here at Guaranteed Raid Field. Uh, Of course, the White Sox made probably, uh, more than likely, the biggest news of this trading season just one day before the All-Star break ended. Right there, on Thursday, the White Sox traded Jose Quintana, ace of the staff, a man who had been a part of this club for quite some time and been one of the more consistent starters in Major League Baseball. Traded Jose Quintana to the Chicago Cubs for a package of four prospects. One of them, a top five prospect in baseball. And Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, a big-time arm with a triple-digit fastball. A guy who's somewhere in the top 75, likely, ranked by uh, a number of different places. And then two others... Uh, who the White Sox feel can be, uh, can be imp- uh, interesting players down the line as well. Certainly a, a gigantic and franchise altering trade, the likes of which General Manager Rick Hans said this team was committed to making uh, if the offer was right. And indeed, it does seem that the offer was right for Jose Quintana. A number of different times, Rick Hahn said yesterday, and you'll hear from the general manager of the ball club a little bit later on this afternoon. You'll hear from some of his former teammates as well. You'll hear from pitching coach Don Cooper. We'll take you through the list of White Sox players and coaches who were close to Q here on this team as he departs and new players are brought in. But by and large, Rick Hahn said a couple of different times that the return they got for Jose Quintana just two days ago was the best return they'd had was the best offer they'd had, even including the offseason last year when the White Sox were looking to make a couple of moves after the Chris Sale and Adam Eaton trades. So I want to get into the trade quite a bit, what it means for the White Sox, what Q meant to this club. I want to know hear, hear from you as well. Uh, I know it is there is some bittersweetness attached to trading a guy like Jose Quintana, especially from a fan standpoint. He was... Well, from this standpoint, too, a delight to watch go out there, even when he was struggling and in the first you know six, seven starts of this two thousand and seventeen season, he had struggled some, but boy a, a bulldog out there, some incredible talent, great location, great command and uh and a guy you you're you're sorry to see go, however, you know it was no mystery the path that the White Sox set themselves on over the off season and that it has continued here isn't that much of a shock. That is a trade uh, with a club they haven't done business with in the last 11 years was somewhat of a surprise that it was broken almost by the clubs themselves, save two Reddit users whose usernames we probably can't mention here on the air. The FCC would be all over us. Reddit users have some weird, weird names. But other than, you know, two obscure, uh, you know, chatroom folk, uh, this trade was, was kind of unseen, was, was essentially unseen by local and, and national media alike. So kind of a surprise uh, on a lot of fronts there. Here's how you can get involved with the show. And I, I want to hear a lot from you today uh, about what you think of the Jose Quintana trade, about what you think of where the White Sox are headed, and what you think the uh, the next couple of weeks may be like. You'll hear from Rick Hahn in a few minutes here on the show, and he'll tell you he expects there could be more action coming up in the next week or two, up until the July 31st trading deadline, should be a, a fun time. Will be a hectic time, and it, I, I've always been, you know, a trade rumors guy in, in covering the sport and in being a fan. Even before that, always loved trade deadline season. Something about the the chaos and the change and the just the nuttiness of it all really got to me. I, really, I enjoy it, uh, and I think for the White Sox this year, it's it's something you can't kind of sit back and enjoy some as uh, the change kind of takes over this roster a little bit. And certainly already, we've we've seen quite a bit of change just in the last 12 months uh, on this 25-man roster and into the farm system, too. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly today. 312-591-8900. You can always hit us on Twitter. at C1McKnight is the Twitter handle. That's how you can get in touch with the show all week long. In fact, a couple of things... Uh, that you all have been leaving on the Twitter, I don't know, handle, page, whatever it happens to be. We'll pick those up throughout the afternoon. We call it the mailbag. We'll get into the mailbag a bit some. Uh, the whole thing will be essentially a de facto farm report, though we will do a farm report a little bit later on in the show too, get your post on what some of the White Sox prospects have been up to since their all-star, well, the AAA all-star break has ended. And we'll, uh, we'll check in with some events uh, from last night as well. And two, Eloy Jimenez, here's the fun part. Both Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, two guys acquired by the White Sox for Jose Quintana, the top two guys in that deal. Both of them were playing for the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. They went over to the Winston-Salem Dash. The Winston-Salem Dash and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans were playing each other at the time of the trade, so Eloy and Dylan just kind of walked to the other side and exchanged their uniforms and played against their old mates uh, over the last two days. So it's kind of been a... Kind of a bit of crazy time for them as well, uh, and, uh, and a productive one too. Eloy's already got a couple of hits as a member of the White Sox organization. So that's what we're up to for the two hours here of White Sox Weekly. Do want to tell you though, Sox fans, on Wednesday, July twenty sixth at seven ten p.m., your Chicago White Sox take on the Chicago Cubs. The first ten thousand fans will receive a White Sox lunch bag presented by United Airlines. United proud to fly the Chicago White Sox. You can purchase tickets today. By visiting whitesocks.com or by calling eight six six sox game, uh, I do have a couple of you know news and notes, things to catch you up on uh, as to where the White Sox's twenty five man roster has been over the last couple of days. Uh, some additions back into the lineup. Tyler Saladino was back from back issues last night. He had an opposite field RBI double. Nice to see Tyler back, looking athletic. He turned two double plays. Uh, started one and was the pivot man on the other. Really looked athletic, and it's nice to see Tyler back in the lineup. Also, Miguel Gonzalez is going to work back into the rotation for the White Sox. He'll take Tuesday's start against the Los Angeles Dodgers. In fact, uh, the White Sox kind of moved around. I shouldn't say moved around, but did make an adjustment or two because you can't really move around the rotation when you're coming out of the All-Star break. It's just the rotation. As you're coming out of the All-Star break, you've got so much time off. Mike Pelfrey makes the start this afternoon. He'll face Felix Hernandez. Derek Holland goes Sunday against the Seattle Mariners. That ball game here. It's a 1-10 start. The Mariners. Uh, the Mariners will be throwing Andrew Moore. Uh, he'll get the start for the Seattle Mariners. Then Tuesday it'll be Miguel Gonzalez making his return to the rotation. Carlos Rodon will work Wednesday against the Dodgers. And latest is from the Dodgers, uh, they have not yet named their starters for the Tuesday and Wednesday games. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Dodgers have uh, one off day, I think, in between. The White Sox actually have a kind of a strange little schedule coming out of the All-Star break. Three against the Mariners here Friday, Saturday, today, and Sunday. Off day Monday, two against the Dodgers. Then a Thursday off day, three in Kansas City. Two on the road at Wrigley Field, and then two here at home against the Cubs at guaranteed rate. 312-591-8900 is the phone number here on the show. You can hit us on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight. When we come back, you'll hear some of the initial statements from the general manager, Rick Hahn, about the deal and about what what the White Sox got back in this trade. These are his initial comments on a conference call to, to interested media. And, boy, there were a lot after this trade broke Thursday morning, right about 10.15, 10.30 or so local time. And, uh, and we'll get you posted on what the White Sox got in return. We'll read through some scouting reports. We'll talk a bit about Q. And, of course, you'll hear from uh, Derek Holland, Todd Frazier, Don Cooper, and a bit more from Rick Hahn and Ricky Ranarea in this show, too. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We've got you all the way up until 5.35. That's when we'll start the pregame show. White Sox and Mariners here at Guaranteed Raid Field. Stay tuned, we're coming back with plenty more White Sox talk here on WLS AM 890.
0: Have a great weekend, John and back Monday morning with our winners and losers. We'll keep you up to date with the winners of the Mackinac race, McGregor and Mayweather. And who's winning in the White House? Beginning 6 AM Monday morning, WLS AM 890.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Join us when the White Sox face the Cleveland Indians Sunday, July 30th at 1.10 p.m. The first 15,000 fans will receive a White Sox water bottle presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I know for a fact it's the only water bottle used by Jason Benetti. Bring your business home to Bedford Park and win big. Visit WhiteSox.com to purchase your tickets today. Here's what we're doing on the show. Of course, uh, the White Sox made some massive news. Perhaps the biggest news you could make uh, this season and the biggest news we could expect to be made this season in trading Jose Quintana to none other than the Chicago Cubs. I, I think a number of things were, to me, incredibly interesting about this trade, and I'd love to know what you all thought uh, about moving Q. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. You can hit us on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight. Some of you chimed in, too, and we'll pick some of those up in the mailbag. First and foremost, the m- most interesting thing to me here was what the White Sox got back in return. Four different prospects were acquired, two of them big-time prospects, one of them Eloy Jimenez, perhaps one of the best hitters uh, in the minor leagues right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how things pan out. And Eloy is in high A, you know, Winston-Salem, right now. He has a massive amount of power. In fact, I, I remember seeing in a bunch of different um, – and you'll have to – I mean this as a, as a term of endearment. In a bunch of the, uh, the, the, the nerdier baseball realms, uh, exit velocity – and I, I love it. Exit velocity is reported quite a bit. And the reason that exit velocity is – has kind of grabbed some people's attention, well, the, the multifold. But one is it's kind of a sexy way to put a digit on a home run, Right. Oh, well, this one went out at a buck twelve, and this one was one eighteen. And my goodness, Aaron Judge just hit one one nineteen point seven, and nobody's ever hit a ball that hard before ever. That's all well and good, but as Ed and DJ point out on the broadcast quite a bit, is that exit velocity on dingers on the long ball? Yeah, how much does that really matter? You know, I mean, it's fun to watch for, but as for you know what it necessarily tells you about a player, it's kind of up to debate. It may not tell you much at all. What exit velocity can tell you a lot about a player on, however, I think maybe more line drives. Maybe more ground balls, too, when you think about it. Because if you can put the barrel on the ball and move that baseball to the tune of you know, 110, 112, 114, 119 miles an hour on the ground, it's much less likely to be caught by an infielder or an outfielder, for that matter. It's much less likely to be turned into an out. So, by measuring, you know, the kind of speed you've got on contact on balls that aren't necessarily going to be caught by anybody, you know, the ones that go over the yellow line on top of the wall, maybe you find out some things about a player that, things like batting average, balls in play, uh, all this kind of stuff, all the measurements that we do use and are useful, don't get me wrong, are useful, but... You start to try and weed out some of the uncertainty. You try and start to weed out some of the noise. All that's kind of a long explanation to saying this. When people find that Eloy Jimenez, the top prospect the White Sox got for Jose Quintana, is one of the guys clubbing baseballs, ground balls, at like 119 miles an hour, starts to open up your eyes a little bit. And I think it tells you, too, a little bit about what the White Sox were concerned about getting back for a premier talent like Jose Quintana. You know, over the last six, seven starts or so, Q had really kind of settled back to being Q. The ERA was right around the twos again. The walks had gone back down. The homers, I think in 40 innings uh, since his last start against the uh, against the Colorado Rockies when Nolan Arenado took him out. And, and believe me, you give one up to Nolan Arenado, that's a tip of the cap. He's an exceptional baseball player. But in the, the 40 innings in that start and prior, he'd only given up, home runs. That's one every 10, and that's a ratio that just about every starter in baseball would live with. So as Q kind of rounded back into shape, I think we saw slowly but surely that, yeah, the return here was going to be some of that top-tier stuff. And in particular just exactly how the White Sox were going to evaluate what, side, what kind of top-tier stuff they wanted was always going to be interesting, at least to me, and I think to a lot of White Sox fans. The fact that they got back who they got back, generally speaking, a top-five prospect in baseball, an electric and really interesting arm in Dylan Cease, a guy who did have Tommy John surgery right after he was drafted, as, as memory serves. Cubs drafted him. Um, he was slated to have the surgery or just coming off of the surgery. It was not an unknown thing uh, Cease is, again, like Eloy, still at high A, but touching triple digits. Just another triple-digit fastball, which they themselves can be kind of finicky, I suppose. While Michael Kopech is doing really well in Double A Birmingham, he has a triple-digit fastball. Zach Birdie, who throws 100, looks like he's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. That news uh, was given out by the White Sox general manager, Rick Hahn, yesterday. Zach Birdie likely headed for Tommy John. He's getting a second opinion, and... Uh, our condolences to the birdie family he zach and his brother nick now in the twins organization both going through tommy john surgery it's tough those boys are incredibly resilient i've, I've met zach and nick briefly those guys are as tough cookies as you get uh and all the best to them in their rehab work for sure uh, i know we got a, a phone call out on the line uh why don't we bring that in now how you doing my man what's uh, what's on your mind
0: Hey, Connor. Um, great show. I just wanted to know what you thought about this trade sort of pushing Jose Quintana to the forefoot of baseball and finally being appreciated for how great of a pitcher he's been the last few years. You know, not a guy who throws 98, 99, never struck out more than 200 guys, but he's there. He's, he's definitely a top 10 pitcher. Do you think he'll finally be appreciated for what a great, not only person he is, but great baseball player?
1: Uh, great question, man. Absolutely great question. I, I think it's an interesting way to look at it, too, because I, I think slowly but surely, whether it be by the, you know, looking at, at, at the way we look at stuff, right, we've we've kind of figured out that the wins and losses for a starting pitcher may not mean as much as, as we thought it did, and, and maybe nobody stood out more to that point than Jose Quintana. I think, you know, people here on the south side, and, and White Sox fans for sure knew exactly how good he was, but I think the uh, the international, you know, the international community, the, the baseball community, by and large, might have let him, you know, slip under the radar. Some. I, I remember talking. I was uh, the Comcast SportsNet was nice enough to have me on the show when Q got traded, and Phil Rogers is talking. We were just having the debate. Uh, where do you where do you rank Q in current pitchers? And everybody had him right about top fifteen or higher. And if you're a top fifteen guy, that means you could slot in as a one. On half the ball clubs in baseball, and I think, you know, for as good as that Cubs rotation was last year, and as much as it struggled this year, I, I like John Lester a lot. He's a good dude, but you know, heck, I, I'd, I'd probably put Q right at the top of that rotation if he's pitching like he did against the Rockies. If he did, uh, if he's pitching like he did against uh, against his last couple opponents, in fact.
0: Connor, do you think this could turn into potentially a Hall of Fame career now, too? Because, unfortunately, you know, all-star games are part of the equation when people vote, and that's something the fans vote on, and then the writers vote people into the Hall of Fame. Do you think, if he puts up the number he's put up the last four or five years, we're looking at a, a Hall of Fame baseball player?
1: Wow, that's that's a really good question. I think, I appreciate the phone call, my man. That's that's some uh, some interesting stuff. I I wonder, because I think... As we move on, and we had this conversation quite a bit when we had Mark Burley Day here at the ballpark, right? Uh, doesn't have 300 wins, but does have 14 seasons of 200 innings, um, of, of 200 innings each and every season. That kind of consistency doesn't get found in baseball much anymore. Um, that kind of that kind of durability isn't found in baseball so much anymore. And I don't think that's necessarily a shot at players today. I think that's just the way baseball has kind of turned around some. I would bet that you could find some starters in and around baseball who, who could go to the post that often and be out there for that long. But I think teams are much less willing to risk that with a guy like Clayton Kershaw or a guy who's getting paid $30 million a year. I think that's just kind of you know risk management or risk risk assessment. I With Q... You know, you you do have to wonder, the guy started his career at age 23 in 2012. Did not get to 200 innings that year. 136, though, isn't so bad for a guy who makes 22 starts. Remember, his first couple were out of the bullpen. Long relief, but out of the bullpen. 33 starts his next season, 32, then 32, then 32. Over 200 innings. I would guess that the strikeouts, which sit at a career 7.6 per nine, the strikeouts would have to come up a little bit. And, and I do think that the – I think the rest of the rates are pretty good, but the ERA, for whatever that's worth, and I think it's pretty clear that when a team like the Cubs goes out and acquires a guy who did have a 4.5 ERA when they traded for him, I think it's pretty clear teams are caring less about ERA now and looking at other stats and evaluating a pitcher. I don't know that Hall of Fame votes are going to shift that way as quickly as teams – pretty clearly have in their evaluations of players? I think it's a great question. I think it'll be an interesting one to watch. And I, I know for a fact that a lot of White Sox fans have chimed in on Twitter and on the show saying they have wished nothing but the best for Jose Quintana because of the guy he was, the guy he is, uh, while he was here. Uh, an incredibly well-respected guy, and I know his teammates liked him a lot. We'll, we'll get into some of those comments from his teammates and from the general manager, Rick Hahn. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. You can chime in on the phone, too. 312 That's the phone number here on the show. You want to be a part of it. This is White Sox Weekly. 4 o'clock news is next. We'll continue talking over the trade of Jose Quintana next on WLS AM 890. Surat Marciano,
0: 10 a.m. to noon weekdays on WLS AM 890,
1: Chicago's News Talk Evolved. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We got White Sox baseball coming up at, well, we'll start the pregame show at 535. White Sox will host the Mariners for game two of a three-game set. Sox lost last night 4-2. to Just couldn't quite, up, quite come up with enough offense against James Paxton of the Mariners. He struck out nine. Looked real good doing it, too. The Mariners' bullpen came in through clean relief. Tony Zick... Nick Vincent and Edwin Diaz all look good. James Shield pitched okay. Did get hit with a home run by Robinson Cano. Went six, gave up four, three walks, one strikeout. Kept him the ball game to be sure. Uh, just not enough of the bat work against a talented Mariners pitching staff, at least last night. Three one two five nine one eight nine zero zero is the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. That's three one two. Five nine one eight nine zero zero. Talking a lot about the trade of Jose Quintana, of course, this afternoon. And not the only trade the White Sox have made since uh, the All Star break came to an end. Well, almost came to an end. I suppose it was the last day of the All Star break. The White Sox today acquired a young minor league infielder from the Texas Rangers in exchange for international signing bonus pool money. As per the press release, the infielder's name is Jason Irizarry. It's a difficult name to look at and pronounce at the same time. It's spelled, now remember, Jason Irizarry. His first name is spelled Y-E-Y-S-O-N, Jason. His last name is spelled Y-R-I-Z-A-R-R-I. Y-R-I-Z-A-R-R-I, and that's pronounced Irizari. He's 20 years old, hitting 258 with 19 doubles, a triple, and seven home runs. Uh, for Class A Down East and Class A Hickory. He split uh, split his season between those two organizations and uh, ranked by MLB.com as the number 17 prospect in the Texas organization. So that move was just made today. As for the larger move, the one that has pretty much the entire baseball world talking and wondering if the trade deadline, well, really the moves and rumors and everything, are about to take off because uh, the trade of Jose Quintana has kind of pushed the wheel down the hill some. Uh, that one we're going to talk about quite a bit over the next hour and a half or so. And I wanted to do this uh, earlier in the show, but we had a couple of phone calls. That's more than welcome. No problem at all. You want to chime in, it's your show. We urge you to do it, 312-591-8900. However, uh, we wanted to play this a little earlier, and, and I suppose we'll do it right now. Rick Hahn, the general manager of the ball club, had the press conference uh, conference call, I suppose right after the trade was made, uh, just a couple hours, in fact. And just his initial comments on Q, on why the trade was made, on why it was made with the club it was made, and on the prospects that the White Sox are getting in return, and Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, uh, not to mention uh, Matt Rose and Bryant Fletta, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. We're still going to work on that. Fletta, I believe. Uh, The four guys in return. I, I thought it was pretty important to hear from a White Sox fan perspective. In case you'd missed it earlier, here is the general of the ball club, general manager of the ball club, Rick Hahn, on the uh, initially on the trade of Jose Quintana.
0: Frankly, it's incredibly difficult to trade a player uh, like Quintana. Perhaps uh, even more so because of the type of person he is uh, and what he's meant to this organization. Uh, you you know, know, he was a guy who. Many different elements of this organization took great pride in, from the scouts who recommended him as a minor league free agent, uh, to the front office guys that helped sign him, to the player development coaches and the major league coaches who helped Q uh, unlock his potential and become one of the most desirable uh, pitchers on the market right now. Uh, The Cubs are getting not only a great pitcher who's going to, we expect, thrive for them, but also a tremendous clubhouse presence and, and a great person. It's, it's not uh, not easy to let someone like that walk out the door. However, we do feel that we are, in, uh, we are closer to achieving our long-term goals uh, than today than we were yesterday. Uh, we feel in this, uh, this package of prospects that we received today not only was far and away uh, the best offer or best possibility that we've discussed with any club, Uh, since we started this process roughly a a year ago or so, Uh, but it's one that allows us to to continue to add to the prospect base that we've uh, accumulated in a potentially high-impact way. Uh, Obviously, everyone's familiar with with Eloy from his time time with the Cubs. We view him as one of the most exciting prospects in the game today, potential middle-of-the-order impact bat. Uh, plus bat speed, field for, the, field for the barrel, uses the whole field and, and the tools to be a, a plus defender on the corner. Uh, it's not uh, every day you get access to uh, a potential talent like this. Uh, usually it occurs only via the top of the draft or uh, international moves, like similar to what we did with Luis Robert a few weeks back. But moving a player like Quintana gives you the opportunity to, to add talent like this, uh, as well as Dylan Cease, who was a player that we coveted in the draft as well. Uh, however, the Cubs beat us to the punch in, in getting him done for the, uh, I believe it was a million five when they took him in the sixth round. Uh, he's got a potential uh, front end of the rotation starter, three-plus pitches and tremendous makeup. Uh, the other two players, Latte, whose name I'm maybe butchering and I apologize, will apologize to him in person when I talk to him. Uh, and Rose are, are interesting prospects and, and guys who are still developing and will help round out our system. But we certainly feel we've uh, added additional uh, impact talent to the organization. And again, we feel we're closer to uh, our long-term goal of putting ourselves in a position to go on an extended run and contend for multiple championships here in the not too distant future, hopefully. So with that, any questions? If anyone has any. Rick uh, Bruce Levine from uh, WSCR Radio. Uh,
2: was your intent uh, as an organization? Uh, was your intent as an organization to make sure that you got two top players? Here you got the top pitcher in an organization, top uh, position player in an organization. Was that, was that your intent and your goal
0: all along before you would trade? Uh, Well, our intent intent was to get the best possible package of of talent back, guys that we could project to be not only uh, potential contributors to a championship club, but impactful talent on a championship club. Uh, We didn't uh, limit ourselves to saying we have to have the number one and number two prospect in a specific organization. Instead, we tried to craft what we felt was an appropriate cutoff line for what we felt was a fair return for a player of Jose's talent and control. Uh, ultimately, it did yield uh, not only the, this offer that we took from the Cubs, but but others that we felt were above that line here in recent days. But ultimately, the the, the Cubs, Cubs deal is far and away the the most uh, most attractive given the potential impact of the of the front end of the deal.
1: Rick, this is Dan Hayes from CSN. Um, how long how long did it take for all this to come together? Well. Uh,
0: Theo and I exchanged text messages shortly after the draft. Uh, It was more of a general checking in what needs and fits may potentially exist between the two clubs, and and that really didn't lead to much more interaction until uh, a couple of days ago, actually, Sunday morning. uh, I reached out to to Theo to express that uh, I felt that something was going to happen with Q here in the coming days, and they have a fairly clear sense of what it would take for them and if they were interested, then now was the time to engage.
1: That is the general manager of the White Sox, Rick Hahn, talking just a day or two ago, two days ago, about the trade of Jose Quintana to the Chicago Cubs. I have a list of uh, former trade or trades in the history of the organizations made between the White Sox and Cubs. We'll probably get to that a little bit later on in the show. want to bring you comments and... Reactions from Derek Holland and Todd Frazier, two of the leaders on this ball club, guys, who have uh, been here for a little while and worked with Q closely in the case of Holland. And Frazier, of course, really, Holland, I think, put it best yesterday, and you'll hear him say it in just a few, when he said that uh, this was Jose Quintana's house. And Q was incredibly nice to Holland and others who had come in over the last you know 12 months or so, and he'd shared it with them. Uh, but this place was Q's. And while he wasn't, you know, necessarily the most vocal of guys, I think his work work ethic and determination, doggedness, all kind of spoke to the type of guy that's a leader by example, and not necessarily your your vocal, your rah rah type. With with Q too, and I, I can't say it enough, the guy's work ethic was unparalleled. Is unparalleled. I, I just the the way he went about his business the way he improved from where he came from, a minor league free agent. None of those guys make it in the pick league. It's just, it doesn't happen. And here he is, one of the top 15 guys in baseball. I think, as Rick kind of mentioned, too, Rick Hahn mentioned in his comments, we just heard kind of a testament to the White Sox development program, to the coaches through the system here, to Don Cooper. Uh, and you'll hear from Coop a little bit later on in the show about working with Jose Quintana. But uh, as Coop will tell you later on, too, he 's of the opinion that Jose Quintana was bound and determined to get as much out of his god given ability as he could possibly get, and that kind of that kind of determination just doesn 't happen you, you just that that 's forged within yourself it 's a difficult thing to forge. Come to celebrate Christmas in July on friday july twenty eighth when the Chicago White Sox take on the Cleveland Indians at seven ten p m be sure to t- stay for the post-game fireworks. They're presented by the Athletico Physical Therapy Company. Athletico Physical Therapy, it's better for everybody. Purchase tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. More to go here on the White Sox weekly show that's uh, covering the latest from the Jose Quintana deal just two days ago. Your phone calls at 312-591-8900. And, of course, baseball coming up later tonight. We'll start the pregame show at 535. I'm Connor McKnight. This is WLS AM eight
3: ninety. News,
1: talk, evolve. Hey guys, don't change a thing. WLS AM eight ninety. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM eight ninety. I'm Connor McKnight. We've been talking most of the afternoon about the White Sox trading Jose Quintana to the Cubs. Kind of a kind of a big deal. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. it is a very. A very big deal. And the acquisition of young talent continues for the White Sox, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if it continues to continue. That's a sentence you want to take home. But I, I, I don't think that there are I, – I think there are a number of teams looking to um, acquire a couple of ballplayers that may improve their rosters. General Manager Rick Hahn has mentioned it a number of times that they're open for business here at Guaranteed Rate Field and that there are players to be had, quality players to be had, and deals to be made. We'll see if some of those players are of the infield variety. Todd Frazier's name has been attached to some trade rumors for the last, oh, I don't know, 48 hours or so in, in real earnestness, or some earnestness, I should say. Not the kind of realness that you uh, you got to report that a deal is going on or anything or do some work, but you know, since the season has started, I, I think Todd Frazier's name has, has popped up a little bit, and he's mentioned it, talked about it yesterday, and you'll hear from him today. He likes the trade rumor part of things. He doesn't mind when his name's in there. It's kind of—I I don't know—I'm probably putting words in it. exhilarating, I guess, a little bit. He knows that when your name's in rumors, you're doing something pretty well. And Todd has been playing pretty well of late since the month of June. Month of June, slugging over 500, batting average right about the 250 mark or so. Did not have a hit last night, so probably down just a little bit from there. But the on-base percentage is pretty good, around the 330 mark. Hitting a couple of home runs and being a big part of this ball club, uh, even up to the last couple of series against the Rockies and against the A's, a handful of doubles, a couple of runs batted in, a dinger, too. Uh, Todd's been hitting it pretty well. As to the young talent the White Sox are acquiring, it continued on Thursday with Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez, and I was just <clears throat> looking through the, the numbers here, and, and I'll just do the MLB.com rankings. Right, it's they're, they're easy to get to. Everybody can get to it. They're not behind a subscription wall or anything like that. So it, it's just out there. But know that there are a number of different publications. Smart people who look at this stuff and have ranked it just a little bit differently. But I think it's a pretty decent representation of the uh, of the White Sox top. Well, they do the top thirty, but I'll I'll do the top twenty for you just real quickly here. Right. So I'm looking through the top twenty White Sox prospects. From one, Joan Mankata, a name White Sox fans are intrinsically familiar with at this point, to Trey Miacevsky, who's at 20. A name White Sox fans likely know as well he'd had a really good Arizona Fall League two falls ago and since battled a little bit, trying to get things back together. But uh, I believe of late, or most lately, with the, uh, with the Birmingham Barons, he bounced up and down a couple of levels. But for these top 20, right, I'll run through these names somewhat quickly. I, I don't. I know that a, a segment full of just names is really good listening, but I, I want to make a point here, so hang with me. One is Yohan Mancata, Two, Eloy Jimenez. Three, Michael Kopech. Four, Luis Robert. Five is Lucas Giolito. Six, they've got Ronaldo Lopez. Seven, Carson Fulmer. And eight, Dylan Cease. Zach Collins, the catcher, is 9. Zach Birdie, who will likely have to have Tommy John surgery, is 10. Rickon telling us that yesterday. Number 11 is Luis Alexander Basabe, acquired in the Chris Sale deal. Number 12 is Alec Hansen. 13, Dane Dunning. He came over in the Eaton trade. 14, Spencer Adams, young man the White Sox drafted a few years back. Charlie Tilson, 15. Jordan Stevens, 16. Alex Call, 17, Jamison Fisher, 18, Adam Engel, 19, number 20 is Trey Meachewski. So I'm going to go through those top 20 real quickly here and just tell you this. Trey Meachewski, Adam Engel, Jordan Stevens and Spencer Adams, and Carson Fulmer are five of the top 20 prospects that were in the White Sox system 14 months ago. The rest of them all new. The, the reshaping and rescoping of this minor league system of what is, and and I read a while back a few years ago I think um, a piece on Baseball Prospectus that took the Brewers' top farm system in baseball from let's call it the early 2000s, right? The one that had Prince Fielder and Tony Gwynn Jr. The one that had you know those the, um, let's see who else would have been a part of it? A few pitchers that didn't quite pan out, but. You know, big names, Ryan Braun in in part of that whole system, too. It was one of the best systems in all of baseball. It panned out, the way they had looked through it, it panned out to grab so much value for the big league club. No, it didn't end in a World Series title for the Brewers, but they made a pretty good run with acquiring CeCe Sabathia. And that's how you have to look at this, too. Not all these prospects will turn out to be big league players. That's well known. But even in the case of... I mean I mean look at where the Cubs the team that the White Sox traded Jose Quintana to look at what they've they did with those prospects. They're pushing now, they're gas pedal is to the floor now. And those part of those prospects they acquired helped them get top end talent in Jose Quintana and now the White Sox have some of that top end talent in Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease to go along with a lot of other top top tier talent that they've acquired. Uh, wanted to bring you here before we. Uh, looks like we may have may have pushed it a little bit too far. We we want to get Derek Holland uh, onto the show here, so we'll do that after the four thirty news. Do want to tell you this though, uh, the MLB.com at Bat app is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. Stay connected with a fully customizable experience. Get White Sox home screen icons and app features, as well as game day, uh, live game video highlights, radio broadcast, Statcast news, and more. Download MLB.com at Bat. Today, You can hit us on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight. Uh, Scott M. asking a question about when he thinks, uh, when do I think, Yohan Mankata will go up and how does the roster fit when and if he does, if and when, I suppose. Either way, you want to put those. Uh, a couple other questions uh, about when other ballplayers, other prospects, I guess, move up and into the system. Um, and a question or two, uh, this from Chris, it looks like, on Twitter, about the timetable. For Zach Birdie, if indeed he does need Tommy Johnson, we'll find out that soon. And I've got those answers as well for you later on in the show. A few more questions as well pouring in. You can chime in to at C1McKnight on Twitter. You'll hear from Derek Holland and Todd Frazier just after the 430 News. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. <laughs> News. Talk. Evolve. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. here on WLS AM 890. Sox fans, join us is the White Sox. Take on the Cleveland Indians Saturday, July 29th at 6.10 p.m. In fact, every home game on Saturday from here on out is a 6.10 game. Unless I've completely missed one. Yeah, no, they're all at 6.10. So you, just, you don't even have to... Put it in account. Just know that you need to be here at Guaranteed Rate Field about 5.15 or so, about an hour before the game starts. That's when you see some of the good BP and some of the fun stuff. You get yourself in a low taste uh, without a line and sit down and just kind of enjoy it out here. 6-10 ball games from here on out on Saturdays. Uh, anyway, on 6-10, at 6-10, rather, July 29th, against the Indians, the first 20,000 fans will receive a 1917 throwback jersey Presented by Xfinity. Xfinity X1 will change the way you experience TV. You can purchase your tickets today by visiting WhiteSox.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. Been talking quite a bit about the trade of Jose Quintana and wanted to bring you kind of inside the clubhouse, or at least best we could and get you the reaction from some of his former teammates, now former teammates. Derek Holland, guy who liked him a lot, guy who worked with him in the rotation. One of the guys that we're going to hear from in just a few seconds. Uh, We'll go through the mailbag and through a farm report in a little bit, and maybe a bit of the scouting reports of the few prospects that the White Sox get back for Quintana. But here is uh, White Sox left-hander Derek Holland on the departure of Jose Quintana.
4: Um, you know, it's uh, it's part of the game. You know, uh, you know, we haven't been playing the way we wanted to. Um, and, you know, you kind of see something like this coming, but it's part of the building process, and you got to respect that. Um, but when uh, when Q was here, we had some good laughs. Um, uh, he was out there. We played catch with him for the last time. Um, you know, he, he definitely didn't want to leave. He loves it here. He loved the, the staff. He loved the players. Um, but you know, at the same time, he's happy to. His move was not as far as it could have been. So. For him to be able to go, you know, just right next door to the Cubs. Uh, you know, obviously they're doing some good things over there, so it's good for him and you know, we wish him nothing but the best. Like I said, he was one of the coolest teammates to be around. He he welcomed me very well when I first got here. But uh to see him go it was uh it definitely it sucks, but uh that's part of it. How tough is it to lose a player like that for this team going forward? I mean it's it's definitely gonna be tough. I mean he's uh a good mentor for the younger guys uh this you know this was his house um and to you know let me come in and and be a guest the way he treated me was perfect um and then just the way he carried himself i mean he worked hard he was a good example for all the younger guys coming through the system um but you know when you lose somebody like that you know we got to fill in the spots and when the new guys start coming up here and and help them to feel as comfortable like he did for me
0: so i'm sorry was he was he here when he got traded was he around
4: you guys he wasn't here when he got traded he came here to clean up his stuff and you know to to move out um and he, you know, obviously had to play catch, and so we, uh, we all made sure we could play catch with him and stuff. You know, it was me and Carlos was here, uh, Tommy was here as well, but um, we all, you know, we made it the last, the last day here, I guess.
0: You made a video too.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, we wanted to have fun with him. You know, it's. Uh, once he left, me and Carlos had talked and we're like, we gotta do something, you know. We gotta send him out a, a good way and we made sure we had some fun with it.
3: What does that say about your relationship with him and the relationship he has with the team that you're able to kind of post something that's fun and lighthearted?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was it's to have something like that shows how good the chemistry was here, and I mean, it still is. I shouldn't say it was, you know, with him being here, he was a, a key member to this the staff and uh, obviously the organization as well. So um, to lose him though is is one of those things that kind of takes you away and. It makes you realize, you know, this is a business and, and you're going to meet a lot of guys on the way. You've got to embrace it and have fun with them. And like I said, he did a great job of, of bringing guys in like myself that, you know, weren't a part of this organization and made us feel welcome. And then now he's leaving to go somewhere else and they're going to do the same to him.
0: You came here as a free agent, you knew what was going to happen this year. But is it so hard to reckon with that? No matter you know what
4: the sensibilities are. I mean, it's it's that way no matter where you are. Um, just because you got a contract doesn't mean you can't be traded. And so you got to look at it that way. Is keep the positive side, but when you're here, you know I'm a White Sox. I'm, that's what I'm here for. So you know I want to do everything I can to to represent these guys and help them to win. And obviously it starts with you know me pitching better. That's what I got to do. But. Can't get caught up in these trades. I mean, it's it's part of the the, the way this game is, and you just got to embrace it and have fun. And when it does happen, you know, be there for that guy if, if it's a guy that's being traded somewhere, or if it's a guy coming in, help them you know feel welcome when they get here.
1: And that's Derek Holland. For what it's worth, I I know that Ricky Renteria, the manager of the club, has had um, conversations with guys with his team as a whole uh, about keeping their heads in the game. It doesn't seem as though. Well, it, it seems as though they, it's understood that this is where this club is, but it's tough to find any portion of, of the ball game in which anybody's checked out. I mean, you, whether you're watching Tim Anderson making a diving, leaping grab last night, or some of the bullpen arms coming out and throwing gas. I mean, this is this is a club that understands that it's out there to win every single ball game. I think Ricky put it best. He said the other day, you know, you're from seven o'clock until about ten thirty or so. There's only one thing on your mind, and that's that's yeah, an important thing to keep focused on. Uh, you do have to, however, be a human about it. Uh, and Derek Holland and Carlos Rodon both were, you know, having a little bit of fun with it and just kind of trying to bring some levity to the situation. You lose a guy like Quintana, somebody so well respected. I don't know if you saw it. Instagram uh, Holland posted. You probably saw it. Holland posted a. Um, well, the Boys to Men song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday, is playing in the background, and it's just some melancholy shots of uh, Derek Holland and Carlos Rodon trying to say goodbye to Jose Quintana the best they could. And then at the end of it, Holland promises to auction off the rest of Quintana's stuff because apparently he left it there in the locker. I, I It was still there today. Still there today. So I don't know when that auction is taking place or if Q has somehow managed to hold on to all this old sock stuff. We'll see. Um, but if you start seeing, you know, like a, the – Ebay handled Dutch oven auctioning off White Sox gear. I'm just, I'm just saying it's probably legit. Maybe, maybe that's worth spending a couple of dollars on. Uh, Want to hear as well from another guy who's uh, close to Q and was a big part in his development coming up through the White Sox and uh, and getting things right this year too. Sat down with Don Cooper earlier this afternoon, the White Sox pitching coach. You'll know, have to, uh, you'll have to give us a little bit of a pass here. Sometimes out at the ballpark there are noises that can't be avoided. Uh, one of the great bands the White Sox has have rather doing some of the pregame stuff uh, was warming up and getting set and tuning the instruments. So do give it the old ballpark pass. But uh, Don Cooper and I talked a bit about Jose Quintana. A few other things uh, about the pitching on this club, too. Here he is, White Sox pitching coach Don Cooper. Coop, obviously, over the All-Star break, he has moved Jose Quintana up to the north side and got back a pretty nice package of prospects. What do you remember most about Q from his starts here and into this season and where he got?
5: Oh, gosh, I remember everything, really. You know, all of the sidelines, all of the conversations we've had, all of the things we worked on, you know, all of the things he incorporated in. Uh, I remember it all from the first pitch he threw in Cleveland when we first brought him up. Uh you know, it's 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 actually sad, but it is what it is. We're in a rebuild process, and everything anything may happen. And he we, we you know he came in as a minor leaguer from Double A, probably a fifth starter, and then he became the number one starter for us this year. Um, and we were able to get some good prospects that we like uh, in return for him.
1: One of the things that stood out to me most about Q was his coming around as a minor league free agent. And one of the things that recon said earlier yesterday. Was just how much he was a testament to his own work ethic, to the coaching staff here, and to the development guys as well. Is there anything, any one thing that stood out about Q to you from
5: his, from the work ethic standpoint? well, you know what? The thing, I've said it for a long time this kid was going to get every ounce of his God given ability out because he was going to work as hard as he could practice as hard as he could, his sidelines were impeccable, Uh, always working on things, we're always working on trying to improve stuff from, you know, game to game, and year to year, looking at his numbers, looking at things that he could improve on, and he was into it, and attentive, never forgot anything you said, incorporated stuff right in in his work days and his sidelines, and made it a point uh, to, to be focused all the time and to work to get better.
1: As you guys make changes to the rotation now from here on out and as the rosters start to expand a little bit later on toward the end of the season, how do you and the rest of the uh, rest of the club kind of look at bringing up some of the younger kids? When does that process start?
5: You know, that, that's not a question for me. Right now, we got the 13 guys we have, and we're going to move along with that. If and when uh, you know changes are made, who knows? There could be more trades. I've, you know, Rick is open for business. Obviously, he he said that the other day, and uh, you know, there's probably more things coming, and uh, you know, some people leaving here will create some uh, opportunities for others. But until then, we've got the 13 we got.
1: Last thing is uh, Miguel Gonzalez coming back into the rotation. I believe it's Tuesday against the Dodgers. How things look with Miguel since some of the sideline work and some of the minor league stuff you've seen? Well, you know,
5: the minor league stuff, obviously, he got his innings and his pitches up. But right now, we're going to have a sideline tomorrow with him, so I'll have a better idea. Uh, but M- Miguel is a command guy. You know, he's not a stuff guy, he's not a strikeout guy. He's a, he's a change of speeds, he's a location guy. And those are the things that are happening when he's uh, doing well. And uh, we can hopefully we can hit the ground run against the Dodgers. A tough assignment. Cooper, appreciate it as always. Thanks. Thanks, Connor.
1: That's Don Cooper, White Sox pitching coach. And uh, Miguel will indeed get the start, or is on the schedule now, to make the start Tuesday against the Dodgers. We're going to hit a quick break, and when we come back, you'll hear more from some uh, big names in the White Sox organization. Both Todd Frazier and Rick Hahn going to talk at you again. I'm Connor McKnight. Stay right here. you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890.
5: Who was Peter Smith, and why should we care?
2: We'll talk about it on Connected to Chicago Sunday night at 7 here on WLSAM 890.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLSAM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we're bringing you reaction from the clubhouse as Jose Quintana was traded about eight miles north over to the Chicago Cubs. Incidentally, uh, the Cubs have decided to start Jose Quintana, it seems, Tomorrow, that would be the Sunday game, and if you count out the you know five days in between starts, one, two, three, four, five, it means that he would theoretically uh, they they have an off day do the Cubs in between those two starts. Theoretically, Quintana would make a start against the White Sox on Tuesday, the 25th. That is the second game at Wrigley Field. Of course, uh, they could move things around and whatnot. The White Sox have two off days in between that span of time, uh, Monday and then Thursday. Uh, If they choose to keep the rotation on the same run, it would be Derek Holland starts against Jose Quintana. Uh, Things can change. Who knows? We'll see. Just thought it was fairly interesting the way things lined up with uh, those two playing each other. Coming up here, would that be the week of the 24th is what it would be. Anyway, down in the clubhouse yesterday, Todd Frazier. Well, I should say this was uh, actually in the dugout. Todd Frazier was uh, speaking to reporters uh, about a number of different things. Uh, I think pretty important, too, is we kind of hear his name pop up in some trade rumors. He understands it. He knows about it. The club knows about it. Um, his teammates, you know, they, they plugged into this kind of thing. TV's on in the clubhouse, that kind of deal. Uh, but it's got to be pushed out of your mind somewhat. I think Todd does a pretty decent job, pretty interesting job, too, of describing kind of how you go about doing that, how he's gone about doing that in the past. And remember, his name was in rumors before when the White Sox picked him up from the Reds. Uh, just a little while ago, so here he is, Todd Frazier, White Sox third baseman, on a number of different things in and around the club, but mostly on saying goodbye to Jose Quintana.
2: Ricky talked to us about the fact that he talked to you guys a little bit about Jose among the rest of his message. Uh, how do you personally internalize, uh, you know, was
3: top guy, wonderful, wonderful person, top? Of- yeah, man, he, he's just one of those. He's a smart, he's a professional. Bottom line. Uh, he goes out there, works his tail off, doesn't say much about anything, whether he does good or bad, comes back and, you know, tries to do even better the next day. He's a guy that the Cubs are should be very excited to have. He, uh, I just saw on TV on MLB Network, he's already out in the bullpen in Baltimore in some weird colors, but, uh, you know, getting after it, and uh, that's how he is, you know. You'll never know inside what he's feeling. Uh, if he's having a bad day, you'll never know because, you know, he doesn't want to make other people feel bad. And uh, he's a true worker, a true competitor. And like I said, he's the number one wherever he goes. that trade And he's a No, no, not really, to be honest with you. It's his first trade, so, I mean, I, I, like I said, he keeps things inside. Of course, a lot of people do. Um you know, when I first got traded, it bothered me a little bit. I mean, not the, the rumors I love because people when people are talking about you, most of the time it's, it's usually good things. And, and if it's a bad thing, then you know what you did wrong inside. And then, then you know you're in trouble. But if, when I'm not in trouble, it's just a rumor. I love it. I love to see it on there. Uh, but you never know really what's going to happen until you finally get that call. But for Q, I can understand. It's the only team he's played for. He came up with this team. Uh, he knows the coaches from the security guards to – Uh, The fan that usually sits in the seat here to the right, you know, so for him, it'll be, like I told him, I said, just go out there and play baseball, no matter who you're playing for, we'll still be here for you. Um, and bottom line is, it's a business, and you, and you just got to you got to understand that he'll, he'll be he'll be fine. Don't you know, worry. He'll be playing in front of a lot more fans, um, and uh, you know, just be you know probably more excited, to be honest with you. As an established player in this situation, where it has to focus on the how do you deal with this situation? What does this mean for yourself? Yeah, just keep going on. It's just, it's just baseball again. Uh, you know, the hardest part is getting. My family, moving everything out. That was, that was basically it, but it was in the off season, luckily. Um, Q doesn't have to move. I think maybe he'll stay in his apartment or wherever he's living. And, uh, yeah, that's probably the toughest part is off-the-field stuff. The baseball thing's fine. You fly where you got to go, get your uniform on, strap it on, and go play. And uh, like I said, when you get traded, you got to meet try to meet expectations. And sometimes they get you in trouble. That got me in trouble for the first month and a half last year. Um, instead of just going out and playing my game and uh, focus on what I'm able to do. As a leader on this team, among other leaders
2: on the team, um, how do you guys uh, persevere knowing that you've lost
3: your pitcher, that you've uh, had a rough to begin with on a daily basis? Yeah, he's gone, and there's nothing we can do about it. We just go whoever's next up in line. Uh, we know Rick Hahn is uh, doing his due diligence to make this team better. And whatever he has to do, and uh, he supports them. But um, you know, they got another good trade. of think they got four good guys, from what I heard. Uh, we we'll see where he's where he's headed, and um, you know, it might be a game of who's next. You, you never know, a flip of a coin, or it might be a game of you know, wait and see, or it's a game of uh, you know, we'll, if they give us something, we'll, we'll do something. But you know, maybe he's happy with what we got now. So you never know what's going on in his mind. Um, long ways to go. So we got a whole whole rest of the month to go and see, uh, you know, what we're going to do. I uh, you was saying that he deserves an opportunity like this to go out there and, you know, finish off the season really strong, pick up a bunch of wins. Um, is that kind of a common sentiment though? do you feel happy for somebody if maybe they move on to a better opportunity? Sure. Sure. Uh, like I said, it's the business part. It's the toughest part. I think it's the toughest job in, in the world. Uh, you know, picking up and leaving, you know, you, you trade traded to a job, it could be within a state and other jobs, but for Q, he deserves it, he does, he, he deserves everything he, he gets in, in the greatest way possible. Like I said, he works hard, he's a, he's a competitor, he's a beast, and, and uh, he's quiet, and, you know, those quiet guys are usually, you know, the, the good ones to and the loud ones like me sometimes, and I get a little ramp so so uh, it's hit or miss, but like I said, he does, he, he deserves to go out there and, uh, you know, play for, you know, a you know, team that's great now that's ready to, uh, you know, hopefully, for his sake, get in the playoffs.
2: You're a very, very passionate guy about the game, about life in general, right. What Uh are you torn between staying here and helping these guys win and um, in the back of your mind knowing there's a
3: good chance that might feel similar with the uh, opportunity to go to the playoffs? Yeah, it's in the back of my mind. It's way back there, though. Uh, I'm not really focused on that. I love helping the younger guys out, uh, whether it's on defense or hitting or, you know, off the field stuff in general. I feel like you know I've earned that spot. I feel like uh, these guys listen to me, and if they didn't, you know I go about my everyday business. But uh, <coughs> excuse me, going through it with the with the Reds and seeing how those guys, those veteran guys, did it and uh, them the right way, I feel like I have uh, you know just an opportunity to help them out. So. You know, whatever happens, happens, honestly. But I know if I do trade, get traded, they're probably to a competitive team trying to win a playoff. Does it help get
4: attention.
3: I guess it helps. I, you know, you see what's going on, and then they can throw a curveball. You never know. So uh, the, next, the next best thing, you know. Could be getting a younger guy to trade, but I know that's not what they want to do. But the team wants that to make uh, the White Sox better. But you never know what can happen, but uh, you know they say some guys are untradable. But if the right thing comes along, I'm sure uh, they can let like that guy go.
0: It's hard to be tough with Rick to kind of be on the same
3: page with him about your situation. No, no, not at all, not at all. He you knows just go out there and be a leader, and uh, you know play the game the right way and pick all these guys up. They're not running. It's, it's our job now. You know, Rick did a good job in the spring training at the beginning of the year, and, you know, you can't go through the whole season, you know, yelling at people left and right for not running or, you know, not necessarily yelling, but, you know, picking them up. And it's, and it's as an older guy and, uh, you know, me, James Shields, Calfrey Holland, a couple guys listening in, <laughs> Malky, it's, it's our turn now to, uh, you know, pick up the pace so these guys can, you know, play again right away.
0: Yeah, four days is not exactly a month on
3: vacation, but how refreshed are you? Or you have numbers no matter where you are? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's no time now, man. The second half of the year, it, it separates the men from the boys. Uh, last year, I think it was my best second half, and I'm hoping to improve on it even this year. And um, just keep putting up numbers, keep getting wins, and when you get wins numbers, always follow you. You guys seem pretty open and loose in the room. I mean, do you have conversations with the guys about what could be next, or do you talk about it? Sure, that? sure. sure we joke around about it. <laughs> <laughs> we never know, though. You know, that's, you know it's your livelihood, so why not talk about it, but... Uh, I don't think anybody's really worried about it. I think everybody understands that they can get traded now. Uh, it's to a team that you know hopefully is in the mix of being a the how do, you, how do you joke about it? Like how do you how do you keep that loose? Because it can be a heavy topic. like this no. No, like like this, like knock knock. Go ahead, <laughs> uh, Mr. Trade. I don't know. You know, like you know. Stuff like that. Or, you look at stuff like that, or mess with each other, you know, it's that kind of stuff. So, I actually just made that up. So, uh, <laughs> I'm from New Jersey today. I don't know if I'm being serious or not. No, but it is like the four days off, you know, you gotta get a little jitty and uh, You know that kind of stuff is just all fun and, uh, you know, nobody ever knows uh, what's happening. No, he, he knows everything. He knows everything. So the guys being traded all the time, the guys just not, you know, to trade going, trade not going, or, or have a better team. So he's been a part of it. So uh, we're not worried about him. He's going to manage and do a great job.
1: That's White Sox third baseman Todd Frazier. This is White Sox Weekly. We had a step to the news. We come back we got a half an hour left to the show before we get to the pregame show White Sox and Mariners this evening at Guaranteed Rate Field. This is WLS AM 890.
0: a Moment of Rush, noon to three, weekday afternoons on WLS AM 890.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Sox fans, don't miss the White Sox signature podcast, The Cycle. Comedian and Chicagoan Pat McGann, along with a rotating group of co-hosts, chats with athletes and celebrities about sports life and everything in between. Subscribe via your podcast app today. Coming up, we got the pregame show five thirty-five. So just uh, what's that? About twenty-five minutes away from uh, the start of the White Sox pregame show. Sox and Mariners coming up here uh, this evening. Nice night for baseball too. Six ten start here at the ballpark every Saturday. Start a six ten start from here on out. Obviously, so the White Sox made some huge news. We've been talking about it all afternoon long. Trading Jose Quintana, bringing back Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease. Matt Rose and Bryant Fletta, I believe is the last name of that young man, uh, all into the fold, a a large prospect hall that the White Sox have kind of just been uh, collecting over the last 14 months or so. The general manager of the ball club, Rick Hahn, sat down to talk about the trade with reporters yesterday. Wanted to bring you uh, a good chunk of that, some interesting questions about the trade itself and what Rick kind of sees setting up for later on in this month of July while uh, while the trade deadline buzzes around. Here is the GM of the White Sox, Rick Hunt. How long do you see this process going? You've got 11 for three on the three big guys. You've got two drafts. How long do you see? I honestly don't have
0: an answer for that yet. Uh, I know we are still in the process of trying to accumulate as much talent as possible. Once we get to a point where we start seeing some of the impact talent develop the way we anticipate or hope, and contributing at the higher levels in the minors will have a better sense about what a championship team will ultimately look like. There'll, there'll be holes. We might have not found an answer at a specific position internally, and we'll have to go out and either deal from a position of strength to acquire it via trade or be aggressive in free agency when the time comes. But at this point, we're still in the uh, first stages of this process, and that's a talent accumulation stage. Rick, are you still looking for business between now and the trade deadline? Other than the time where I have to sit here talking to you guys, we are very much open for business. So you are you are slowing business, right now. Uh, uh, yes, we are. We are. We've had a number of conversations uh, leading up through the Quintana trade, and since and I suspect that uh, a healthy pace will continue here over the coming weeks. Again, we're as I think we showed you with Jose and, and last year on the trade deadline. We're certainly not. Uh, feeling any pressure to get additional work done. You're not going to force the issue mm-hmm. in, uh, in any instance, but if the right opportunity arises, where it puts us in a better position for the long term, we will act accordingly. Do you think the trade you did yesterday of sparking the rest of the Got to get stuff done before the deadline? You know, I think it at least sent the message in talking to a few general managers over the last 24 hours. I think they certainly understood that we were serious when we said we were getting close to something or that it was time for to seek their best cards so to speak Uh, and they know that we have other talks going on and those conceivably could be on a similar pace so I think throughout the league you'll it usually takes one that starts opening the floodgates so to speak and it could very well have been the deal from yesterday. Uh, he was re-examined after the seven days had passed. In the last 24 hours, uh, he seems to have uh, fully recovered. He's going <laughs> to begin the process of ramping back up his physical and baseball activities, and hopefully, will return to playing games in the DSL in a couple of weeks.
2: I know how much you care about the people in this organization, and uh, players' lives are always impacted by these trade talks. David Robertson just had a new baby. Uh, I I know uh, you're pretty much in lockstep with these guys, aren't you, as far as where they're at uh, with the careers, where they're at
0: with the Sox organization? I think there's a a nice mutual respect that goes on between the players and, and the front office around here, and that we're fully aware of the fact that we are potentially affecting human beings with lives and wives. Uh, family members who are affected by the rumors and much less by an actual transaction. Uh, We obviously were very aware of uh, David and Aaron and what they were going through with the pregnancy and everything uh, now being on the other side of that uh, has a bit of relief for them. Uh, Now being able to just focus on on baseball and whatever lies ahead. Uh, Speaking with Jose yesterday, he did share that the trade rumors are a little bit weighed on him. The fact is, I think he was stunned that it actually came to fruition, but at the same time, I'm sure by now he's, as we talked about yesterday, pleased that this really will have basically a minimal effect on on his day-to-day life and family, and that he doesn't have to move. So there are those... are those human side of things that you have to at least be aware of.
2: Focus, how do you and Ricky keep uh, guys focused on the field when you trade the, you know, the top pitcher in the organization
0: and you know it's going to be more difficult to win? you are dealing with professionals here. They understand what we're about and what we're trying to do in the long term and you try to be as honest as possible as you can with them. Uh, I know that from day one of spring training, Ricky and the coaching staff's focus has been strictly on preparing us to win that day's ball game and that's not going to change, regardless of who what twenty five guys are in uniform here. It's about creating that kind of expectation and that kind of culture within the clubhouse. and the The players may well change; the players will certainly change over the coming years as we go through this process. Uh, but that approach to how we go about our business each and every day won't.
3: Be. Rick, does does the uncertainty about the roster at this time of the year make make it harder to have an environment
0: that you want to bring your young guys into? Uh. I don't think it's a bad environment. So, I, I, could it conceivably be an environment you want to bring young guys into? Yes, but that's not the environment that Ricky and the coaches have created. So, I have no concerns along those lines.
3: What um, What do you see as a
0: timetable for
3: McCarter? We'll
0: see. We'll see over the coming weeks. Again, it's, uh, it's it's a function for all these young guys. It's a function of two things. One, the most important part being that they've answered any questions we've had for them at the minor league level, and we feel they're prepared that next stage of development that happens in the big leagues with the greater speed and the greater scrutiny and the, you know, all the greater tools that are at the, your opponent's disposal to, to try and beat you. Uh, the second element is that we feel they have the right opportunity here to get the chance to play every day or get the ball every fifth day and, and contribute. Certainly, is the more deals we make, the more the second part opens up and there's more opportunity for the young players. But really, the timeline is going to be driven by the conversations that we have with our player development people, feeling that, you know what, this guy's done everything we've asked of him here. It's time to move him to the next level.
2: Knowing that... Uh pitchers only have so many bullets in their arms. Um, How protected will you be of your young pitchers going through a minor league system maybe considering not adding on a a six month to their season and uh, looking forward to keeping this group together as a pitching unit as a team.
0: It's it's definitely a part of the development plan. Each individual pitcher has their own development plan. We've had knock on roofs, knock on wood some success over the years keeping guys healthy uh, by being diligent in terms of their workload and what we're asking of them in any given season. We do have a handful of guys down there, whether it's because they were drafted last year or dealing with injuries in previous seasons, but this is really their first full year of competing as a pro. Those are guys you're not going to tax. You're not going to, as good as a season as a certain player may have, if they have yet to have a full season of innings under them, they're going to be done. once they reach the, that, that workload level, we're not going to add that six months through a September call-up on a guy. We're going to congratulate him on meeting his developmental goals for the year and, and tell him to go get some rest. Rick, you told us after the two trades in the offseason, from the Sox fan base, you were hearing a lot of kudos and positives. Did you hear the same thing after yesterday? Yeah, way too much. It was scary. No, it's been very positive. It's been very positive. There's a good feel uh, in the front office throughout various departments. There's a good feel uh, good feeling throughout the fan base from at least what I've heard and, uh, and the people who uh, reached out to me and the, the emails and calls I've gotten. That said uh, we knew frankly we knew that dealing a player is accomplished and uh, high quality as Quintana so brought the potential for negative feedback and that didn't deter us from making the move and, and regardless of the risk that they might lose some of that good feeling as this process continues. Uh, we are going to remain focused on doing what we feel is best for long-term, healthy organization. and Hopefully those moves continue to resonate uh, with the fan base, and if for whatever reason they don't, hopefully they at least see where we think this thing is headed and why we're making the moves as we well. are. Knowing
1: how... That is the general manager of the White Sox, Rick Hahn. Wanted to bring you some of that from yesterday. Of course, the White Sox making the huge move, blockbuster trade. In fact, sending Jose Quintana to the Cubs for a package of top-tier prospects. And Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, and two more who might not fit the top tier, but certainly the White Sox have some interest. And still, Eloy Jimenez ranked one of the top five prospects in all of baseball. He joins that White Sox core of prospects, a lot of them. Ranked very highly, just like Jimenez himself. We come back. We will get into the mailbag. A lot of you left messages on Twitter, at C1McKnight. Bulls Nation, though, come on out to the park Monday, July 31st for Bulls Night as the Sox take on the Toronto Blue Jays. Purchase a specially priced ticket package to receive a game ticket, a White Sox-Bulls mini basketball, and the chance to watch BP before the gates open. Visit whitesox.com slash Bulls to purchase this specially-priced ticket package. I'm Connor McKnight. We will conclude White Sox Weekly with the mailbag when we come back here on WLS AM 890.
4: WLS AM 890. You've got mail.
1: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. This is the mailbag. We do it every week. You can leave us messages all throughout the week. See one McKnight on Twitter. Or you can give us a phone call. That applies now, 312-591-8900. You get into the mailbag, you can join in on the show. A couple of things that have been buzzing about since the trade of Jose Quintana on Twitter. A couple of questions that have been asked. And I uh, will do my best to answer them. this from Scott M. on Twitter. When Mankata comes up, where does Saladino go? This is not a seniority thing. Yolmer would be the spare infielder, yes or no? I, a couple of things there, Scott, and, and it's a fair question. I think first and foremost, and I know a lot of questions were about Mankata and a lot of people concerned, not concerned, that's the wrong word, but just curious, I think, as to when and if he's coming up this year. First of all, I think this, um, and this would be no surprise to anybody, I think these rumors kind of started circulating late last night as we we're wrapping up the postgame show. Here at Guaranteed Rate Field really does kind of sound like there's a lot of buzz around the Red Sox, perhaps kicking the tires on one Todd Frazier. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, who does a terrific job covering the league, Fox Sports, saying that, yeah, it does seem like there's a match there. We'll have to see if things if things happen. Uh, I don't know that imminent is the way. It's definitely not the way that uh, Rosenthal himself was describing it, but it's something to look for. And I think with you know what we just heard from Rick Hahn on the broadcast a little bit earlier, I, there may be moves later on so to kind of you know to speculate about a potential roster jam kind of seems a little premature at this point especially since we've got you know a good full 2 weeks before the trade deadline comes and goes it, even more than 2 weeks really i guess it's 2 2 weeks 2 days 2 weeks 3 days before the deadline comes and goes uh, and we'll have to see. I wouldn't be surprised if teams call about a number of players uh, on this club. There have been some surprising performances from a few people that may indeed uh, cause uh, some need for, for guys coming up from the minor leagues who are or aren't Yohan Mankata. We'll have to see. Uh, this from Chicago, Colt, no reason to bring up Mankata this year. Don't rush him just to sell a few more tickets. I can assure you that's not going to happen. I, I think you heard Rick Hahn mentioned it. And, and I think this, too, remember, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured in this game, right? If you're injured, you're not playing. If you're injured, you're more than likely on the disabled list. If you're, A lot of guys play hurt, right? And while Mankata went on the disabled list with that you know, that sore thumb, uh, sprain, bone bruise kind of thing, I think is how they termed it medically, a bone bruise. I'm doing a horrible job describing it. <laughs> bone bruise that really did affect him and, and seemed to, even after he came back off the disabled list or perhaps some rusted or whatever, either way, the strikeouts came back up. I want to know, and this is just me speaking hypothetically more or less, but I, I got to know if he's hurt or injured, so to speak. I know he's playing right now, but I don't want to bring him up for any kind of major league. And again, this is just me. I don't want to bring him up for any kind of Major League at-bats if he's still feeling the effects of that thumb. None of them. I don't need him dealing with anything less than 100% of Yohan Mankata's abilities up here at the big league level if it's, if it's going to be just for September, you know, if it's going to be for a couple of weeks in August or just September. That's, if he's healthy, if he's fine, if he's all good, that's a different conversation. Uh, and, and I think once Yoan has checked off the lists, what he's got to check off the lists, I, I think indeed that's what we'll see. So that's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Thanks so much for chiming into the mailbag. You can do that every week at C1McKnight. That's the Twitter handle. We appreciate you all dropping some questions in. I uh, hope we got to as many as we could. Uh, Let's see. What else we have? Oh, we got to thank a number of folks. Don Cooper for coming on the show. You heard from Rick Hahn and Derek Holland and Todd Frazier on the show, too. We will start the pregame show in just a couple of minutes. 5.35. We'll get things rolling there. In case you missed our uh, interview with Don Cooper, you can check it out then on the pregame show. It's Mike Pelfrey and Felix Hernandez starting for the White Sox and Mariners this afternoon, this evening, really. Come on out to the ballpark. Some great weather out here. Still a chance to get out here and enjoy the game. I'm Connor McKnight. Thanks for calling, texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. Thanks to Don Kleppen, our producer, and Michael Garay and Dave Zaslowski for getting us on the air. We'll talk to you next Saturday on White Sox Weeks The pregame show's next on WLS AMA 90.